There is nothing wrong with your podcatcher. Do not attempt to adjust the feed. We are controlling the bitstream. We control the encoding. We can mispronounce names. We can consume alcoholic beverages. For the next half hour, we will control all that you read and discuss. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. I almost want to play this bit that Willie Dills Gregory said at the beginning of The Angry Chicken. It's a podcast about okay. Hearthstone. Because he had this wonderful pronouncement to people that said, look, we are not the world's foremost on expert on everything. We will say things that will be wrong, and then the next week, we'll correct them. And that's just the way it is. So Mm -hmm. don't be angry. (laughs) We're going to say wrong things. We're not experts. We're just trying to have a good time having a podcast. And that's I don't know why that struck me right now, because we haven't been criticized no, or anything recently. No, nobody said anything. But, no, no, no. But I, I just feel like I want to say that at the beginning of all my shows, except for Daily Tech News Show. And I mean, <laughs> really, the only time anyone got mad was about butterscotch, so... Yeah, and that was so much fun, right? <laughs> that was the most heated argument. Well, that's not so true. We, guess, we also I, had other heated arguments recently. I guess what I true. should say is thank you for being the kind of audience that allows us to just have fun and talk about science fiction and fantasy and doesn't expect us to be perfect about everything. I am certainly not perfect, though I did pronounce something correctly in an interview with Annalie Newitz that we're going to have next week. So that Tune was exciting. Tune in next week to find next out. Next time on The Sword and Laser, <laughs> what word did Veronica pronounce correctly boom, 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 what a twist a twist what a twist um <laughs> let's jump into the quick burns eh silvana posted that the martin studies international network is launched yes that martin george rr <laughs> silvana says i might just join for the heck of it and comments about the winds of winter in three Two, one. Uh, but yes, kind of like Tolkien studies, there are now Martin studies. Yes. And it says on the website, what's that? You may ask, what is this Martin studies international network? See the press release to learn more. The Martin studies international network is the first scholarly association devoted to the work of George R. R. Martin it is dedicated to academics and fans of the worlds created by George R. R. Martin. Its aim is to provide George R. R. Martin's work with the academic and expert attention it deserves. And then it goes on to list the founding members. Look, I totally support this. His world building is without parallel. I, I, I say without parallel right after I mentioned Tolkien, but Tolkien was doing something different than George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin created a world. Tolkien created a, a language and peoples and a mythology. And, and Martin does some of that too, but I don't think anybody has created a political world and history that is not mythological solely mm-hmm. the way that Martin does. I've, I've been watching a bunch of Secrets of the Citadel on YouTube, which is a fantastic web series about Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, and just just that person's ability to dive into things that feel real in the way that you, you know, you refer to, oh, this era of the Targaryens and the Blackfire Rebellion and, you know, all of these like 
isolated instances that never come up in the television show, barely even come up in the book, but have these deep lore behind them. It's crazy. So cool. Well, you know how I know this is legit? You know how? How? You have to say how when I say that. You have to say how. I'm sorry. Yes. How? Elio and Linda from Westeros.org are part of the the committee. Boom. So there you go. If you got Westeros.org involved, they know everything about this stuff. And professor of medieval European literature at the University of Oxford. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sure that's fine. Oh, yes. That person is a member. You're not saying no, that I'm wrong that they're a member. That person is a member. It's just not my bar. Professor of English literature at Macquarie University. Not good enough for you. Sounds okay. These are like serious medieval studies (laughs) academics on here. And I'm like, listen, Elio and Linda. But Elio and Linda, come on, let's be real. I'm just saying. Real talk, real talk. Terp Kristen says the Dragon Awards for 2017 were announced over the weekend. Some books I'm sure people around here liked very much, she says. Over the Labor Day weekend, that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So over the Labor Day weekend. It was that's le- right. so we over had the weekend when she posted it. In between. Yeah. That's right. Mm. So we have the best science fiction novel went to Babylon's Ashes by James S.A. Corey. Woohoo! Best fantasy novel, including Paranormal, went to Monster Hunter Memoirs, Grunge, by Larry Correa and John Ringo. Best young adult, middle grade novel, The Hammer of Thor, by Rick Riordan. Best military science fiction or fantasy novel, Iron Dragoons, by Richard Fox. Best alternate history novel, Fallout, The Hot War, by Harry Turtle Dove. Best apocalyptic novel, Walk Away, by Cory Doctorow. Best Horror Novel, The Changeling by Victor LaVale. And Best Comic Book, The Dresden Files, Dogmen by Jim Butcher, Mark Powers, and Diego Galindo. And there's a lot more. Uh, well, <laughs> Best TV Series went to Stranger Things Stranger and Best things. Movie went to Wonder Woman. Those, are, those are the other two I'd want to make sure. Hey, Best uh, best uh, uh, Video Game, uh, uh, PC or Console went to Legend of Zelda mm. Breath of the Wild, which Pokemon I haven't played Go. yet. That sounds yeah. really good. These oh, are fun. you should play it. It's way loads of fun. I need to get back into it, actually. Well, now I feel like we've we've almost named all of them, so we might as well just name all of them, I guess, because <laughs> that seems kind of shitty to just like leave out the last two. <laughs> Best science fiction or fantasy board game went to Betrayal at House on the Hill, Widow's Walk by Avalon Hill. Oh. Best science fiction or fantasy miniatures, collectible, or role-playing game went to Magic the Gathering, Eldritch Moon by Wizards mm. of the Coast. Eldritch or Eldritch, Eldritch. Uh, I don't know. Something it's also reared and not Riordan. You know, Tom, I tried. How do you spell how do you pronounce this one? L Y N C H. L Y Lynch. Yes, Scott Lynch, according to Andy, has updated the Helsinki <laughs> Times on the status of the Thorn of Emberlane. Uh, and we have a Word Zone link to it as well. Uh, looks like we may get the Thorn of Emberlane in 2018. And Scott Lynch lets us know some interesting details moving forward. Emberlane will be Locke and Jean's new base for a few books. Oh. And we have a clue to the story, which we won't tell you, but you can read it if you want. Uh, click through to the Helsinki Times. It has a new photo of Scott with his magnificent beard. It's a good looking quite beard. magnificent, yeah. That's a nice beard. It's well-groomed. It's not just magnificent. It's also mm-hmm. well taken care of. Which is important. Yeah. You know. I do. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then Clyde says, Jerry Pornell has died. He's one of my oh. favorite writers and he will be missed. I, I heard about this on Scalzi's blog as well. Um, so very sad news. Uh, 
yeah, you should head over to to whatever.scalzi.com and, and read a bit more about him. If you're not familiar with Jerry Pornell, who was the president of SFWA, uh, among many other things. Uh, and yeah, he he's worked on the in the industry for for many, many years. And, and many of the people we've had on the show have known him for a very long time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry for the community's loss. The Moten God's Eye, uh, Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell co-wrote. Uh, and he, he teamed up with Niven on a lot of really good books. But The Moten God's Eye is absolutely fantastic. It was nominated for a Hugo. Uh, Pornell won John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer uh, the same year he was president of the Science Fiction Writers Association. Uh, and I had the distinct pleasure of being on an episode of This Week in Tech with Jerry Pornell at CES one year. And he is wow. was a formidable man, uh, a formidable thinker and 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 just a pleasure to discuss things with uh, i'm sorry to to see him pass well now i feel extra awkward because i didn't look ahead at the stories and i was laughing about scott lynch's beard as i went into that story so now i feel bad sorry mm, i don't think you i don't think you you i i, I didn't feel it i didn't, didn't feel, feel like it, it was okay. no no i feel i felt like there was a good uh, respectful change of tone thank you thank you I try, like I say, with all things, I try. I just try to do my best, Tom. Yeah. Podcasting's hard. <laughs> Life is easy. Podcasting is hard. <laughs> all right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Our first one comes from Trike, coinage of the realm, cool words from science fiction and fantasy stories. I just started reading N.K. Jemison's The Killing Moon, and in the very beginning, she has the word narcomancy. You don't <laughs> even need to look at the glossary to know she's talking about dream magic, and I'm once again struck by the ineffable coolness of invented words of the science fiction and fantasy genre. Although I have to say, in the context of The Killing Moon, I'm sure it's very clear what narcomancy is. When I first read it in Drake's post, I was like, oh, so magic about drugs. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. <laughs> Uh, but like, I do agree oh. with Trike that words that end in Mancy or Manser are a lot of fun. Libriomancer is in my TBR mm-hmm. pile for that very reason, he says. I was like, cocaine spells? <laughs> Narcomancy. I will make it pure. Um, yeah, I mean, I said frack today in a sentence, like in a work call, basically. Oh, yeah. So like that, that's Muggles still basically become mind. an English word at this point, right? Yeah, People just I mean, use it. We use muggle for geocaching. I mean, if you say muggle, everybody knows what you're talking about. It's just kind of, you know, terraforming was yeah. made by Jack Williamson. Um, there's so many words now that that are from science fiction and fantasy grok. that we just don't even think about. From Heinlein, Grok. Everybody uses Grok. It's just a word. Apparently, Taser was from the Tom Swift books, although I thought that was an acronym. Well, it may be one of those things where it was mm. from a Tom Swift book and then be, they, hey, hey, we can make an acronym that's Taser, the same as Tom Swift. Oh, Thomas A. Swift's electric rifle, also taser. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, so this is a fun thread because people kind of jump into uh, into the thread and name a bunch of other stuff um, from, from other stories. Name Day from A Song of Ice and Fire, Stephen says. Uh, Positronic from Asimov. Robot from, all right, how do you say that Russian name? It's a Czech name, I believe. Kapek? Kapek. Kapek. Copic. I'm, I'm going to say Copic. I could be wrong about that, though. Okay. But it's I know it's Czech. 
Very cool. Um, so yeah, great thread. Thank you, Trike. That was a fun one. And then this is a thread from a while ago that I somehow must have missed, um, but it's what are your darkest sci-fi fantasy stories, not including dystopias and post-apocalyptic novels? And I mm. was like, oh, and and uh, what was the one that, oh, oh yeah, uh, this was from Christos. He says, dystopias, post-apocalyptic stories are so easy, of course. Um, those are going to be the darkest. So other than those, what are the darkest sci-fi fantasy novels you've ever read? Uh, he says the darkest sci-fi book he ever read was uh, Demon by Daniel Suarez. And the darkest fantasy book he ever read is Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, and it's not dystopian, right? Uh, the Song of Ice and Fire def- definitely has some dark. I actually liked Blind Sight being listed by Robo Bobo. Mm. I also like his name or her name, Robo Bobo. Robo Bobo. That's like a <laughs> robotic version of your dog. <laughs> Robo Bobo. <laughs> My dog's name, if you don't know, is Bodega. It's a long story. And um, I call her Bobo. So Robo Bobo. Robo Bobo. I'm totally distracted now by that. That's adorable. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I guess I read a lot of really optimistic fiction because Malazan series is listed, but I haven't read that. I'm sad to say most of the stuff that people are are listing here are not things that I've been had a chance to read. Well, Got to get on that. Got to read more depressing stuff, Tom. Yeah, come on. What's (laughs) wrong with me? Well, no, it's because everything that I've read that's dark is post-apocalyptic, right? Mm, So once mm -hmm. you narrow that out, take that out, it's like, oh, wow. I guess that does make up a lot. But Demon's a good one. I have read that. Yeah, that was a great one. And then finally, this is another one from way back when, from back in July. Eric wrote... As you guys may remember, I didn't. The Polish head of state gave Obama The Witcher 2. The Kotaku story has a very clickbaity title, but notice Obama never says he played it. That's because according to episode six of Trump Con Law, the emollients clauses, it most likely is in the Library of Congress unplayed. Most gifts that presidents receive end up in the Library of Congress or other history-preserving places unless, as the podcast mentions, it would be impractical. Examples given are a few hundred pounds of meat from Argentina, which were donated, and a dog that George W. Bush received that had to be donated. So this post is saying that a thing was given to the president and that went to the Library of Congress and that's not controversial because that's what happens to gifts and so we shouldn't have brought it up in the first place? <laughs> I don't know. But these, but David goes on to say uh, it has a that the site he includes at state.gov has a federal gift register for each year. And if you look at 2011, <laughs> when President Obama received The Witcher 2, you see the prime minister also gave him the following. The DVD, Best of Witcher 2, video trailers for President Barack Obama. <laughs> a bottle of vodka, The Blood of Elves by Andres Sapkowski. <laughs> Ah, I got too excited. Mm. The -hmm. Last Wish by Andrzej Sapkowski. Andre, Andre, Mm -hmm. it's Andre. Andrzej, Andrzej, Andre. (laughs) Just keep going. (laughs) He gave him a lot of Witcher 2 stuff, basically, is what I'm saying here. There's like DVDs. There's like some some toys. There's like apparently a bust given also. Uh, so yeah, very interesting. I, I found that fascinating, and I was sorry I missed this uh, this post because I, I it just tickles me that that the prime minister thought that that Obama would play the Witcher that's too. What, well, and and, <laughs> no, and I think that's why that's probably why Eric brings in the whole podcast thing is that mm-hmm. the 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 thing is when gifts are given to presidents, they they really aren't gifts the way you and I give each other gifts. Gifts gifts given to presidents are gifts given to this to the country. 
and the president doesn't get to play with them and doesn't get Aww. to use them no matter what they are. Uh, they, they, they get put in museums and they, they get put places because the, the office holder cannot accept gifts of any consequence from, from a foreign country that's, that's in the constitution. So forget all that because that's just going to lead us down a road to hell. Uh, what is interesting is that these state gifts that are given to our country, uh, in in the case of Poland, we're all about the Witcher. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They're very proud, which is great. Uh, which is which is great. Yeah, which Witches. are which are better than other gifts. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the book of the month discussion. Yes, uh, we are reading Heliconia Spring by Brian W. Aldous. Uh, and I have to say, this is way more sword and laser appropriate than I expected. Mm, mm-hmm. I have never read Brian W. Aldous, but I had read all of the you know previews about this being an epic science fiction adventure, and you know possibly even if not consciously, it 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 certainly could have been in the background of George R. R. Martin when he was creating uh, Westeros, and 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 so I was expecting something that it had a lot more sci-fi, but you know, I think I'm a quarter of the way through the book, and I know it's a long book. I apologize to everyone for that. I'm the slow reader, so I get it. But, mm-hmm. but about a quarter of the way through, and it's very fantasy. It's very and and fantasy, not in witches, witch, wizards way, but but fantasy in like here is a, a a foreign people in a strange land with their own religions and magics and and things like that does not seem to be any actual magic so which i think is why it's going to clearly end as sci-fi but i've gotten only one hint that there mm-hmm. is anything else going on that than what is on the ground it was kind of a a, a jarring hint mm-hmm. where it just said by the way there's this other thing going on <laughs> you're mm-hmm, like oh mm-hmm. okay so we're going to learn that now and then boom chapter 2 um but i'm really having more fun with the world building that happens here and the, and especially knowing that I'm going to get this wider window on it is, is pretty crazy. Yeah. So I'm done. Uh, I finished it a week. I finished it a week ago. How? (laughs) I had a lot of flying. I had a lot of airplane time. I see. And travel time. So I was, I was keeping myself occupied. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. At least you liked it. Yeah. I did like it. I did like it. Um, it definitely was not what I was expecting. Um, I, I'm not going to do any spoilers. Um, as Tom noted, there is a, a a moment that that is a little bit surprising if you aren't familiar with where the story goes. That does come back a little bit, but maybe not as much as you might think. Um, but what is interesting is the I don't think it's spoilery to say that there are some substantial time jumps in the story, um, which makes sense given the the way the world is set up and the way that it's kind of described with the the seasons. Um, but it's those I, I mean, the science, the the description of what's happening uh, is really fascinating. And yeah, the world building is pretty astonishing. And just some of the things that happen in terms of what goes down as the weather starts to change are are fascinating. It's almost like, a you know, a butterfly flaps its wings and all the changes that happen because of that. There's a lot of that kind of vibe, like it sets off a chain of events that have repercussions, you know, not just in nature, but also in the world and the politics and the warfare and the human lives um, or non-human lives even. 
Uh, so there's there's a lot of that in the book. And I think that's what really kind of kept me riveted. And you do get you do get like sucked into these characters and they go through these incredible changes, but you get to follow along with their not just their their lives, but the lives of their ancestors, which I think is really cool. Yeah, there. You know, it is is a much slower pace of seasons in this world uh, than than you would find in a Song of Ice and Fire, and because of that, the people barely understand that there are seasons and that seasons change. And the fact that there are seasons is the stuff of myth and legend deep mm-hmm. in the you know in the background of those few societies that that have kept any kind of oral tradition of what life was like in spring you know, yeah, or, yeah. or our fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I find that just absolutely fascinating. It also kind of reminds me of, uh, did you ever read Edward Rutherford? Mm-mm. Any of his books? He, he had a whole series of books. They're very popular in the nineties. Uh, and, and I think he's still writing where he will set a story in a place, but he will jump ahead generation by generation. So the one I read was called Serum and it takes place around Stonehenge in Salisbury. And it talks about the people who lived there before Stonehenge. And then it jumps to the people who built Stonehenge. And then it jumps ahead to, you know, the Celts that live there. And then it jumps to the Saxons that live there. And it just tells a story spanning all of human history, all set in one location. And I feel Heliconia is is almost a science fiction version of that, even though it doesn't stay in exactly the same place. It's it's telling us the story of these people by kind of extending uh, from from one place to another with links between them. I think the closest thing I could probably relate it to in some ways is Seven Eves um, by Neil Stevenson, mm-hmm. which we mm-hmm. read previously. There's there's some of that. I mean, it's not quite as jarring as the jumps there, um, but it's it's not totally dissimilar um just in terms of things we've read recently i thought that was that that kind of came to mind a little bit as well do you ever read clan of the cave bear i did yeah there, there's did. some some element of that and in shaman there too, too. Especially shaman in the by part. kim stanley robinson there's some yeah. of that as well yeah 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 so just just like set the mood i'm just trying to set the mood for you guys out there right. like what it right. feels like to read this book a little bit but it's uh it's it's good it's a really extremely well-written book and i think it's it is it does feel more like a sword in the beginning but i think the overall vibe definitely trends more towards laser later but not really even like in what happens just in the feel if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah yeah the i can tone. see that well, and and in the the first story you get, you get a sense of that uh, that that sort of canonical for Leibowitz kind of uh, feeling. Well, that's but- exactly what it is. I mean, this is it's like it's like it's science, but being told through the myth and legend, and right. so it feels fantastical because they're experiencing science through. The, you know, through sharing stories down the line, the oral tradition, essentially, which is still and, and religion and like the religions that have built up around these events that have happened. So it that's super interesting. It's like, how do people who don't have, you know, the scientific method essentially explain events that happen? And that's, you know, that's what happens in our world. That's what happens in, you know, throughout history. So it's it, but it's interesting to see from that perspective on another world. 
too. Uh, what, what I'm about to say would have the merest hint of spoileriness because I'm going to talk about the kinds of situations that can exist in the book. So if you're a purist about that sort of thing, you might want to turn your ears away. Uh, but I'm not going to actually talk about events in the book. I'm just going to talk about things like them. Uh, but in any kind of apocalyptic story, right? There, you know, and I'm even thinking of Mad Max here, particularly. Uh, there's the things that they had to do to survive. So in Heliconia, it's surviving the winter, right? Because we're coming out of the winter. But in any apocalyptic story, whether it's the nuclear holocaust or the attack of the aliens, and people like they go into caves or the city is destroyed, and then they they have to persist for so long that they lose the knowledge of why they went in the cave, why the city was destroyed. And maybe they have hints about that. And that that's where I am in, in Heliconia is they're coming out of the winter with just those fragments of information and not knowing why they are in the situations that they're in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how you feel about it towards the end. If you feel like you're it, it's still the same, you know, the vibe about it, it kind of holds true. But, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And it, it I did not get the sense that it was an older novel even at all. At all. Like it could have been written yesterday and it would have felt the same to me. Did you, did you do the audiobook? Nope. I feel like I need to look this up actually. Uh, I feel like the narrator of the audiobook is New Zealander. Oh, <laughs> oh interesting. Because there's a few things that sound like the guys from Flight of the Concords every once in a while, the <laughs> way he's reading them. And I'm just like, wait, is this guy a Kiwi? Because. I don't know. There's just there's just something about it. His uh it's narrated by Christopher Slade. And of course they don't really give you a biography on Audible of him. So I'm gonna have to do a little more research. But I I forgot to look this up before. I've been mm-hmm. meaning to look this up for a while. Because mm-hmm. uh, cause yeah, I think he does a great job of reading it, mind you. Um oh he's from the UK. Hmm. Mm. Maybe he's got a Spent some time in New Zealand or <laughs> something, or maybe I'm imagining it. I don't know. And then uh, finally, I, I thought this was funny because, of course, this book is written by Brian Aldis. Dara says, what about his brother, Ryan Aldat? Ah, because Aldis and Aldat, y'all. Brian Aldis and Ryan Aldat. <laughs> she goes on to say, I hate myself. <laughs> oh, don't. No, no. You're among no, friends. No, don't. No, I, I love you for that. And We've I hope done much worse. Dara, 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 Dara. Damn well, it. How do, you, do you remember? Do you remember? No, and you know what? I've, I, it's, it's been so many years, and I've said it wrong and correctly so many times that now I just question it no matter which way I say it. So I hope she just understands. I'm really, I'm batting like 0 and 3 tonight, so... I don't know. Well, but next week you'll make up. I'll make up for it next week. Yeah. Okay. Thank goodness for that. (sighs) All right. That's an episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. uh, So if you want to learn more about that, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Every little bit helps. And thank you especially to our $20 and over patrons who have access to Lem's library. I just updated Lem's library. There's lots of new books in there. So make sure you check it out. And a uh, big thanks to Cameron Parrott, Egal, and Peter, all of whom are people who either are new to the Sword and Laser family or increased their pledges. You guys are making it possible for us to continue to do the show, and we thank you very much.
Mm-hmm. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about, as well as some of our favorites and some of the favorites of the authors we have on this show over at swordandlaser.com slash picks. And you if can you're al- like, Veronica, oh. Tom, I got no money. I can't buy books. No. I can't give you patrons. That's okay. I check things out of the library. Mm-hmm. Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. You don't yeah. even have to write anything. Just write the name of your favorite sci-fi book in the review field and give us five stars, and you've totally helped the show. Or just write your name and I'll try to say it. <laughs> that too. There's that as well. <laughs> Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157sword6. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.